It's July 15, 2020, and welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we're going to have Alec Wagner, and he's here to tell us about the Purple Prize and the Kipuka Innovation Competition. And then we'll be joined by Senate President Ron Kochi and DOE Complex Area Superintendent on Kauai, Paul Zina. And we're going to be talking about the Kauai Education Technology Pilot. Of course, now I want to welcome Alec Wagner by phone over, uh, probably all the way over in, I don't know, downtown Honolulu or somewhere, <laughs> not too far <laughs> yep. away. Uh, and, and we'll talk about the Purple Prize. And of course, uh, he's here to tell us about the Kipuka Innovation Competition. Welcome to the show, Alec. Thanks a lot for having me again, Bert. Yeah, you know, so this uh, new reality, you know, everybody's calling in and, and I, I'm, I'm kind of... Um, uh, glad that you know you can call in from Honolulu, but you know now I can have neighbor island folks call in as well as mainland folks. So I think it's kind of cool. So tell me about this uh, Kipuka Innovation Competition. Yeah, sure. Um, no, yeah, I mean you're totally right. It is. Uh, it, it does. The situation does improve some things mm-hmm. uh, and definitely stifles a lot of others. But um, the, the you know good question. Kipuka is a prize competition for. Uh, innovative middle schoolers and high schoolers uh, creating ideas that apply technology in a place-based way uh, to solving local challenges. And what I mean by place-based is that ideas are either ones that are rooted in our local culture or uniquely designed to our specific local context. And, and I guess to provide an example uh, of, of one of these, it, um, it might be an e-commerce uh, marketplace that sells uh, locally sourced products made by local cultural practitioners. Um, this idea has already been done. Uh, as you know, uh, you had them on your show, Malcolm Marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, which participated in the Purple Prize last year. Um, but you can take this model and you can innovate upon it. And, um, you know, that's kind of an example of what we, what we want to cultivate. Um, and really the reason why we wanted to put this together now uh, is because we, we really need innovative approaches to fill gaps and solve emerging problems in our state uh, that are amplified by COVID. And, and, and because a number of uh, forward-thinking local organizations have responded to this need, um, and have been helping students uh, to develop some of these approaches in the last few months, uh, we really felt that we could amplify their efforts uh, as a foundation and, and empower the young leaders uh, creating these ventures to take their ideas to the next level. Um, so that's really, you know, the reason why uh, you know, we got involved in this. And so, so when you say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with your Purple Prize, which is, is kind of open to, uh, many in the community, and it's it's kind of geared toward probably more adults and and um, uh, maybe recent graduates or high, uh, college level. Uh, for this one, it's it's you said middle school. So, uh, and then you're referring to another uh, partner sponsor that's involved with you. So, who are you partnering with? Yeah, uh, we're partnered with uh, Maui Economic Development Board's STEM Works program. Um, and yes, it's it's targeting middle students uh, up to high school students. Okay, okay, so, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. familiar with the STEMWorks folks, so it's um, a partnership with them, and then are you, so they're reaching out to the students across the entire state? Yes, yeah, that's uh, one of the advantages of being able to provide a, a virtual program uh, now, so um, yeah, we're able to reach uh, folks from, yeah, across the state. Great, and <clears throat> and then what, uh, what kind of, uh, let's see, how are you, sort of uh, giving them the chance to frame whatever they're proposing? And then, and then once they propose something, how do you uh, go about the program in terms of, uh, you know, nurturing it, evaluating it, and seeing what comes out, you know, com- comes out the other end of that process? Great question. Um, yeah, we, we know that a lot of other organizations have, 
have uh, put together incubation programs uh, over the last few months. Uh, to name a few, like uh, Nalukai Academy, your mm-hmm. education incubator, and mm-hmm. uh, Hawaii Green Growth, they've, they've done that work already. And so these these students, they have great ideas. Uh, what we're really trying to do is just uh, bring those ideas in through proposals, and you can submit those proposals on the website. Uh, and then after that, um, over the course of a week, uh, we we help you to put together uh, recorded um, pitch, uh, recorded pitches, and then you submit those pitches for a final re- review by a judging board have a chance to win um, a portion of $2,000. Okay, I get it. So so this is kind of a, uh, you know, it's sort of a mentoring process as opposed to uh, Purple Prize, which is really kind of getting getting uh, teams to, to ultimately come come to the end end result of maybe getting a startup and maybe from the startup, you know, get, get some investment and, and start to actually pull a company together. This is really kind of mentoring the student teams. Yeah, it's it's connecting them with resources that they may not have available right now, and it's helping them to get to the next step. And mm-hmm. so you can see this as kind of a bridge. Um, a lot of them will need a little bit of money in order to, to get some of these things going uh, and to incentivize them and get them excited to push things forward. And so we're looking to do that. But then we're also looking to link them up with some of the mentors and uh, resource providers in our HUI and um, help them to uh, get connected with those people so they can uh, receive some of those advantages um, on their way to a program like the Purple Prize or any of the other uh, uh, incubators and accelerators around the state. Oh, that's great. So uh, the application process, is is it still open? Yes. Uh, it's it, it's live now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can find the application uh, at purpleprize.com slash kipuka. Okay. Um, kipuka is spelled K-I-P-U-K-A. Okay. Um, and... I'll put that up on our show notes uh, for later on. And, and then, so the application process is still open, and then it, it actually, what, closes, uh, and then there's a, there's a timeline, right? I mean, it ends on the August 31st? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Sounds good. Okay, so I will put that up on our show notes. And again, thanks, Alec, for joining us. Thanks a lot, Bert. And, of course, we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Senate President Ron Kochi and Complex Area Superintendent Paul Zina, and we'll talk about the Kauai Education Technology Pilot. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Hawaii Naturopathic Retreat Center. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I am happy to welcome Senate President Ron Kochi and DOE Complex Area Superintendent Paul Zina from Kauai. And we'll talk about the Kauai Education Technology Pilot. Welcome to Bite Marks Cafe, guys. Thank you, Bert. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's um, let's start with you know the the whole idea of this technology uh, education pilot. And and where did this idea come from? What, what was the genesis of this idea? And maybe, uh, uh, Ron, I'll give you a chance to to tell me where when did you get into this idea of of contributing or or maybe pulling this together? Well, we had a group that met on communicating over the big package of four bills with uh, universal pre K, you know, the living wage, uh, affordable housing, and how do we improve school infrastructure? And uh, when COVID-19 hit, we felt that we wanted to continue meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of the uh, two bills relating to education, we had a few educators in the meeting. And then uh, once COVID-19 hit, I 
accepted your initial invitation for the broadband hui and uh, started participating in that call. And it really became evident in listening to some of the connectivity issues and what people were working on on the broadband hui call and, uh, you know, what was not happening in schools because none of us were prepared to do distance teaching. Uh, all of our materials, our technology was all based on really in-school face-to-face teaching and learning. Uh, and then the Chan Zuckerberg Foundation donated a million dollars through Hawaii Community Foundation for Kauai. And I realized we needed to get data to apply for grants and to be able to utilize money. I talked to Bill Arakaki, who retired at the end of last month. Paul was the deputy and the superintendent in waiting. He's been on the job for about two weeks now. Uh, but luckily, he's a technology guy. And in seven days, he and Bill got data from the seven principals, and we were able to put together a grant application. And Micah Kane from the Hawaii Community Foundation seeded it with $100,000. We needed to raise another three hundred. Uh, to start minimally at 400, Chan mm-hmm. Zuckerberg came in with 150, Bank of Hawaii Foundation 100, Everton Foundation 50,000, Bristol Wine Bank 25. Uh, I don't know how much Central Pacific Bank set, but sent, but they had recently approved making a contribution as well. And then my wife Joy and I personally donated 15,000. So we have about $500,000, and they looked at three areas, teaching teachers uh, or training them to be better distance teachers, and then they can become trainers in their individual schools, getting connectivity, so we identified purchasing hotspots, and then uh, getting the devices for the students who still did not have a device. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, now, Paul, you're complex area superintendent for the entire island, right? So, uh, when when you look at this pilot, is the pilot uh, helping to address connectivity, I guess, issues with students across the entire island, and and will I guess uh, uh, the Wi-Fi hotspot satisfy you know those that perhaps aren't currently connected? Yeah. Um... It, it is kind of a unique situation here on Kauai, mm-hmm. being that it's one complex area and we are the whole island. So because of that, it was through lots of great conversations and partnerships with various folks who are in the industry around telecommunications that made it really clear to us the products that we needed to use to actually uh, supply that connectivity for, for students. And what we discovered was it wasn't just an issue for students, per se. We realized that there were teachers that really depended on their connections through work at school that were not necessarily getting the same kind of connectivity at home. So it was more than just providing to students. We realized that it was providing to the whole system that we needed to have uh, patched those, those, those pukas in the connectivity. So it was actually providing little Wi-Fi hotspots. We found that to be the best product and the best solution that made it mobile, made it easy to track, and it was something that we could mobilize and order very quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and Senate President, you know, when when um, looking at your entire sort of uh, you know district, which is the island of Kauai, uh, 
you know, there's going to be schools that are probably more connected versus others. In fact, I, I remember you mentioning on on the broadband hui call that I think it was Kapa'a that, that, you know, many of them weren't connected, so they opted to do sort of hard copy. And I guess I'm, I'm curious, uh, how have you gotten involved with, you know, sort of encouraging this, this maybe blended approach where uh, it can be a combination of face you know face to face as well as online learning did you were you able to convince some of the uh folks that were a little bit um maybe reluctant about going online to actually take the leap and to go online well i think uh what we wound up eventually doing we started with bill and paul mm-hmm. and the three state representatives from Kauai and myself the second call we added two educators or people involved in education here on Oahu that were assisting me. And uh, Paul and Bill brought on a few principals. And then eventually, uh, each one of the 15 principals participated in different points on a weekly Zoom call we would do. And so it's really a plan driven by the principals, data that were secured by them. And then again, really what they wanted to do, we weren't pushing anything from the top down. What we found out at Kapa is they had the devices locked so that if you removed it off campus, it wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. And so they had a lot of devices. And now that they knew what the new future might look like, they were prepared to go forward. And I would stress that this could not have been done without the support of both Bill Arakaki and Paul Zina as the leaders. But all 15 principals are fully engaged, fully supportive. And we have Byron Kapali, who's the technology person for the Kauai Complex, as well as Brent Mizutani in the district office. And so it's been an incredible team effort to get us to uh, where we're going. And then the only thing we realize is that some teachers are better at the technology than others. And so if we engage in training people and assisting them, then we will help them get more comfortable with with the technology. And I was also really motivated when I saw that all of the uh, California state schools mm-hmm. were going to be going to distance learning in the fall. And I was really worried, uh, not knowing how we were going to reopen, what if it was all distance, and how can we be sure that the students on Kauai were prepared? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, so Paul, uh, you know, Ron mentioned the uh, uh, the, the training and, and getting teachers up to speed, as well as perhaps even families who may not uh, have uh, the hardware and the connection. So maybe tell me a little bit about what is is your thoughts on the whole digital literacy and providing the support and training. I mean, I, I would imagine that it's above and beyond what you're currently providing. So, you know, how do you how do you ramp up to now support all of the folks that are now going to potentially be online? Well, that really is the, the you know, $64 million question. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. one that is really around the world. I don't think um, it's really unique to any one area at this point in time, as the pandemic has made it very clear to all of us that the need exists. For Kauai, uh, this partnership has really helped us make it very clear in terms of how we're going to approach this. 
And the first thing and foremost, in any type of distance learning model, we had to ramp up access. I mean, we can't teach in a new way when the students who are trying to reach can't access the learning. Mm-hmm. And that just came very loud and clear to us. So as we built the access pieces in, that seemed to kind of be an easy piece. I mean, it was we knew how many we needed. It was just a matter of going and procuring them. Mm-hmm. And then as we started getting into this more deeply and realizing the subtle shifts in teaching and learning that had to happen for the teachers, the training that Ron was referring to earlier, we've actually already kicked that off. We had two full days of training for our train-the-trainer sessions where we're turning a few of our resource teachers at each of the individual schools and at the district office into trainers of the rest of their staff. So we'll be building the training model now that we want to impose for each of the schools. And as Ron mentioned, the teachers are at very different places. Mm -hmm. So what remains the most difficult piece is taking all of these different forms and functions of teaching and learning and applying them to individual schools with very different levels of capability. Some schools are ready to roll and they need very little guidance and other other schools really were starting with distance learning 101 and and how do I just take what I've done really well in the classroom and make that now happen in a distance learning format. You know, and Ron mentioned a couple of other things around this where distance learning, oftentimes people think it's all about the tech and it's not necessarily that way. It's really about how we engage when we're doing learning that we can do face-to-face in real time with each other, whether that's through video or in person. And it's also about how we structure assignments and activities when we don't necessarily get to do that teaching and learning face-to-face in real time. And that's really the biggest challenge. So, and I know as the year continues and we continue to do the professional development for our teachers, our staff, and even support programs for our families, that that's going to be the biggest uh, hurdle, I want to say, the biggest challenge is making sure that the learning that might not be happening like synchronously where we're together at the same time and we have to be apart from each other, that's going to be super, super challenging. Um, and there's lots of measures that we can use to determine whether we're going to be successful with that. Yeah, I do want to kind of talk about some of the measures and, and also, you know, just the fact that, you know, you're just uh, one guy. And <laughs> I'm not sure if there's a, a whole staff of, of folks that can can be mobilized, I guess, to address the varying levels of of competency within the, sort of the, the digital sphere. So I want to sort of get your thoughts on how do you how do you scale this across the, all the various needs that might be out there. I want to uh, hold that thought, though. That's just a tease. So we'll hold that thought. We'll be right back after this uh, uh, short break to continue our conversation with uh, Senate President Ron Kochi and Complex Area Superintendent Paul Zina. And, of course, we're talking about connecting students to the Internet and the Kauai Education Technology Pilot. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to Senate President Ron Kochi and Complex Area Superintendent Paul Zina about the Kauai Education Technology Pilot. And, of course, right before the break, uh, you know, we were talking about 
how, you know, the technology is probably, I think you've heard this before, is probably the easy part, right? I mean, you, you know that you can get so many Wi-Fi hotspots, you can get so many computers, and just, you know, it's, it's all a, a numbers and a, a kind of a procurement uh, challenge. But then the, the real challenge is how do you get the people that are now using uh, these tools to best use them? And, of course, in the varying degrees of, of um, digital literacy that they may have, whether it's <clears throat> parents, students, and teachers as well. And and before I, I, I let Paul talk a little bit about that, uh, Ron, I mean, what's what's your thought from a, from a uh, sort of, you know, legislative standpoint? I mean, you you now kind of see the the varying varying ranges of of literacy that might be out there. Uh, how would you address help to address sort of this whole digital literacy arena? Well, I think Bert, the most important thing though is that training of teachers to be better teachers. Uh, when they are better, then the students get engaged. Uh, you know, you have that. Uh, love of what you're doing going on. And as uh, other teachers who are not as versed get more comfortable, then it just naturally will result in a better outcome. I, I will say something you had touched upon and we talked about in the broadband hui. There are families that don't have devices, don't have the connectivity to the internet that are now going to have the power of the internet at their fingertips. Mm -hmm. It's going to really enhance them. So many of the jobs today you need to apply online. So for those people who are out of work with everything that's happening, it's not just their children that are going to benefit, but we're lifting up households. And uh, telemedicine has really advanced so quickly in this COVID-19 world. And so now it's going to give all of these families access to telemedicine. Mm -hmm. uh, which was confirmed in conversations on the broadband. So the applications are so great, and the DOE intends to, uh, you know, set up a help desk for each of the school districts, so that parents can call in and get assistance in, uh, you know, how to better use the devices they have, how to help their students. So we're trying to create pathways to ensure that we can help people be successful and not get frustrated and give up. And again, because it was uh, from the bottom mm -hmm. up plan, you have people who have ownership, people who have already bought in because this is what they've identified. And that was critical uh, in what we did. We just said, you know, we can do the raising of the money, but you need to tell us where to invest it, how to invest it, and what to do. Yeah, that's, that's, that's critical. Paul, so... You know the challenge that you face, and and I think it'll get borne out in the in the pilot. Uh, you know, given that there's a, a wide range of of, of um, let's say expertise out there, or at least literacy. Uh, how do you see tackling that for the you know the entire island of Kauai, and and how do you see perhaps leveraging what happens with other uh, complex areas? Do you see the ability to, to, to kind of learn from your peers and then apply it? Or are you guys sort of, you know, like isolated? I, I would assume that, you know, there is a, a lot of sharing of best practices going on. Paul, before you answer, yep. Bert, you got that in reverse. People will be hopefully learning from us. 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> I wanted you and, to. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Kauai wasn't picked randomly. Like, like we're saying at the top, we're a single school district. So mm -hmm. they thought that it would be the easiest. And so conversations have already occurred with uh, complex area superintendents on the Big Island, Maui, and Oahu. They are very interested. So we're hoping Paul Zina is going to be stretching himself real thin, explaining to everybody the great work he's doing on Kauai. Well, Paul, you can't ask for a better endorsement than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I would really love to echo what Senator Kochi has said, that um, it, it really has been something that's grown from an internal sort of need. And you ask about scaling this up and how it might translate across more educational settings within the state. You know, and there were there were a few other questions in there, and and I, I want to touch on them. I think what was a very big one, what you asked, <clears throat> excuse me, and you, you know, you mentioned the the superintendent group or the leadership group in the DOE, and we really do have a great great group of complex area superintendents and assistant superintendents that assist us, and there was there was a great deal of guidance and a great deal of discussion, great deal of problem solving. Um, and with that help and the connections through Senator Kochi and the legislative reps and everybody else on Kauai, along with the principal's buy-in, I think it comes back down to what one key factor about scaling up really re relies on, and that's meeting people where they're at. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to see this from a perspective of part of the project should speak to them specifically, and it should also encourage them to reach out to other members, other stakeholders within the project. And that's the most important part of scaling this up. Um, and, and again, Ron touched on it. It's not just providing tools to teachers that they can then use to improve students' and families' lives in the home environment with distance learning, but it's also providing metrics that allow principals to be accountable to themselves and their school communities. All of these frameworks are being developed. And with those frameworks being developed, that speaks to the folks that are in positions of leadership like myself and, and, and the legislative representatives, Senator Kochi, other CASs, other members of the DOE. And if those frameworks that we're developing, which ultimately lead to increased student outcomes around things like, you know, advancement or graduation, better grades, the general learner outcomes, you know, higher proficiencies on all of our assessments, you know, whether they be the big ones at the end of the year or the formative ones that the teachers do day to day. Mm -hmm. All of those things are how we scale things up. And the whole process is to improve each tool for each stakeholder. So in the last uh, minute or so, I mean, what are going to be some of your key kind of metrics that you want to start to kind of measure and, and will determine your success from this pilot? That's a really great question, and I, it's so timely because at this stage in the pilot, that's exactly what we're developing. Um, we recognize that the number one metric that is adjusting in this model is the amount of time that's spent both in school and out of school on task learning. Mm -hmm. so we have to measure that very carefully and track it. And what we want to do is have a high quality of instruction happening both in the home during that time and in the school during that time. And those metrics really involve lots of different things. One piece that I think is reportable and will become a very public piece for the DOE as a whole in the state will be the access to universal screeners is what we call them. And it's basically a test that's given periodically throughout the year to assess student learning in various subjects. And that universal screener for all the schools on Kauai will be reported out to our parents and other members who are watching the distance learning pilot 
through a series of different indicators that the schools will identify individually. Of course, because every school is a little bit unique, different students, different community. So that assessment should also reflect that uniqueness. Well, you know, Paul, we're going to definitely be keeping track of this, and, and I, I will probably have you come back on and, and maybe uh, report on some of those metrics as you start to gather data. And, and this is really exciting, and I, I'm, I'm glad that you have a champion like uh, Senate President Ron Kochi behind you. Of course, Ron Kochi is the Senate President. He's the um, uh, in the Hawaii Senate. And, of course, Paul Zina is the DOE Complex Area Superintendent for Kauai. And I want to thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. pleasure. And of course, thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk about telework and remote work. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And of course, if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.